doesn't get any better than that. That's one of my favorite all-time hymns forever and ever. It was my mom's favorite hymn before that, and uh, maybe some of you favorite hymns. And hey, we got a whole choir up here now, huh? Look at this. This is, this is good. We're going to have to bump it out in the back here and open it up a little bit, but thank you all for leading us in praise and worship this morning. I want you to do me a favor. Would you turn to the person beside you and say, good to see you in God's house today. Go ahead and say that. Okay, and after you've done that, you can go ahead and find a seat. 
was a couple of younger guys were getting girls' phone numbers. I didn't say get phone numbers. I said, just, just say, good to see you in God's house today. All right, it's that time of the year. How many know what this is about? How many know what this is for? I mean, it's a cross, obviously, but uh, we want to invite you to take one of these. They're in the back in two or three locations in the back. And what you do is you get home and you put this up in your yard uh, somewhere where it can be seen like that. And then on Easter Sunday morning, you flip it around and say he is risen. So uh, take those and, and put those to good use in uh, your yards, and we'll be glad for that. Also, in your seats, in the seat backs around you, I tried to scatter them out is a seven-day plan for praying. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to take this. If you, if you will commit to praying, I want you to pray for uh, seven days in a row, every day over the next week. And then next Sunday, I want you to give it to someone, or maybe even later in the maybe Saturday or Sunday or Monday, give it to somebody and ask them to be praying for a week. Somebody that maybe is on your heart, somebody that's on your mind. They don't have to be here. In fact, it'd be better if they weren't just somewhere a friend of yours, relative, or whatever. Get them praying for a week. And then on Friday before Easter, call that person up and say, hey, you've been praying? Hopefully they'll say, yeah. Say, would you come to church with me on Easter Sunday morning? So that's what this is all about. And the kids are going to get uh, their own version of that. I got a letter from Franklin Graham that said, Dear Reverend Bays. At first I thought this was to somebody else. <clears throat> Dear Reverend Bays, I want to express my deep appreciation for the gifts sent to Samaritan's Purse from First Baptist Church for our work in Ukraine. Your partnership with this ministry is truly a blessing. Samaritan's Purse has opened an emergency field hospital in, I think it's pronounced Lviv, Ukraine, with an emergency room, ICU, and two operating rooms. We also set up a medical clinic at a training station in Lviv to meet the basic basic medical needs as tens of thousands of people pass through as they're trying to leave the country. Over 2.5 million people have fled the country since the, this began. And actually, it's more than that now. Uh, this was written uh, the middle of March. Um, <clears throat> we have more than 100 staff on the ground, including doctors, nurses, and continue to airlift relief supplies. We're also assisting churches in the country as they minister to the devastating crisis. We want the people of Ukraine to know that God loves them and has not forgotten them. As our team meets physical needs, we also want to point them to the peace and the hope they can find only through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. John 14, 27, we'd be grateful for your prayers. God bless you. So we've sent to Samaritan's Purse, we've sent uh, offerings to a church in Poland that's right on the border that's taking in a lot of Ukrainian families. We've also sent uh, a check to MANA, which is a MANA ministry, feeding center type ministry. And uh, so in the back, is the box still there? The box is right by the door there. Uh, we have uh, uh, quite a few thousands, tens of thousands of Ukrainians that are at the border that are coming across and going to being taken to family here and so on who are refugees of the war and there's a uh, place there that live love has set up that if you want to uh, things like moist <coughs> moist towels uh, um, I can't remember the uh, sleeping bags, uh, whatever they would need, uh, little snacks that are not perishable. So that as they're transitioning from the border, going wherever they're going in the United States, they have something to take with them because uh, a lot of them had to leave everything behind virtually. So if you'd like to do that, that's what that is for. This is from Matt Moad in Thailand. Uh, here's Pastor Jim. Now that one was to me, <laughs> Pastor Jim. I, if you see the reverend guy, let me know, and I'll... <clears throat> so Pastor Jim, praise Bethany's second Women's Connection event hosted in our home had even more ladies in attendance and was a great success. Free Burma Rangers annual conference with over 150 in, in attendance. Matt was also able to transport via plane and truck many of our team members and guests to the conference, lead devotions, and provide a presentation on the aviation program. He also hosted and arranged briefings for 20 students from Valor Christian high school in Colorado. Matt started uh, helicopter training this month in Oregon, um, and then Bethany started uh, starting to mentor and lead two Thai women through a Bible study, Bethany's migraines and Meniere's disease. Um, she's had a really bad episode shortly after Matt left for the U.S. Thailand is now 
In hot season, the weather's significant trigger for her condition. Free Burma Rangers and oppressed ethnic groups, uh, the report on that is our team's return from heavy fighting missions in, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this state, Karini State, where we lost another ranger, Elizabeth, from a mortar attack. Elizabeth was a 25-year-old woman who performed so well at the training course she was selected by the class to be the first female graduate speaker, graduation speaker. Her family's home was recently burned by the Burmese army and they were forced to flee their village. So we support them on a monthly basis. Last week we had this, uh, Tim and Sharon Simmons here, their daughter Sarah, and Sarah is going to, I won't say the, uh, all of that right now because we are streaming live, she's going to a restricted access nation. I'll be glad to tell you what nation that is uh, later if you should want to ask me, but uh, I'm so impressed with it. She's already doing uh, a lot of work online with people in areas where they can't just freely worship and can't freely go to church. So um, First Baptist Church leadership team voted to go ahead and take her on monthly support for $100 a month. So I would like at this time a motion from someone uh, that we give her $100 a month. Uh, remember, my beautiful bride, Patricia Ann, uh, made the motion, and Ryan seconds that. Would you write those down, please, for me, so I don't forget? Uh, so we have a motion second to start supporting um, Sarah Simmons for $100 a month. All those in favor, say amen. amen. And opposed by like sign, and there are none. What else? I've got about 15 things I need to do here. Here is, uh, let me give you a couple of announcements. Uh, check your bulletin for several Bible studies held throughout the week. The meal for the military will be on the church patio right after the services, as opposed to uh, over on um, uh, Ryan's patio because of the, uh, the weather. This is our torrential rain season, so... <laughs> We have this heavy, you might have felt a little bit of moisture on your face. It's just horrible. It's horrendous. And, uh, but anyhow, uh, so that's where that meal will be. Next Sunday, going to shift gears for a little bit. We'll get back to the names of God after Easter. But next week, the paradoxes of Palm Sunday. Next week is Palm Sunday. Uh, please bring Easter candy. Next week will be the last week that we collect it up, and then we'll uh, supplement by buying whatever we need to buy because we will have a, a egg hunt for the kids. All right, I think that is all except for the bulletin, and let me share with you. The title is, Have You Ever Been Hurt by a Church? There have been a few times in my life when I've heard the following. I don't attend church because I've been hurt by the pastor or a deacon or the choir leader, Shira, <laughs> or the youth pastor or a certain Sunday school teacher or a small group Bible study or a church member or, in more general terms, the church. And let's be honest, many are the people who have been hurt by those representing or at least attending a given church. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever been hurt by someone at school? Have you ever been hurt by someone at work? You ever been hurt by someone in the neighborhood or on the golf course or in your red hat society? And here's a follow-up question to that. Did you or do you still attend school or work? or live in the neighborhood, or play golf, or wear your red hat? If so, doesn't the logic work both ways? Or has it just become a rather flimsy excuse for not going to church? In addition, whomever it was who offended you, I can guarantee you that it was not God or his son that offended you. By the way, the son of God was treated very poorly in this world. You want to guess what some of his greatest offenders were? The religious crowd. The people he came to save taunted him, tried to entrap him, deserted him, and finally crucified him. That's about as offensive as someone can be against you. How did Jesus react? He loved them so much he willingly submitted to the heinous act of crucifixion. He was nailed to the tree and lifted up on that cr cross. The world did this as a final act of humiliation and contempt, and yet he loved them to the very end. And one of the things he said from the cross was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So if or when someone in the church offends you, pray the prayer, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And keep on serving the Lord through the church that Jesus loved and died for. He gave his life. for the. Hey, I don't know about you, 
But I hang around with a lot of imperfect people. And lots of times, I'm imperfect myself. And we just got to keep on keeping on until the Lord comes back. And then we'll all be perfect at that point. If you know the Lord is your personal Savior, it'll all be okay. But until then, let's just keep on keeping on for the glory of God. Would you stand with us as we worship the Lord? And I'm going to tell you this uh, a little bit. Easter, uh, when you come in with your children, we're going to have you take them right to their Sunday school classes, right to the classes so we can save all the seats in here we can. We're going to have an overflow set up on the patio. And for members, when it starts filling up pretty good right now, maybe leave some seats on the aisles so that people can find them. We'll have some ushers that will be helping people be seated. Uh, but as it fills up, I'm going to ask some of you members who are able to do so to go to the patio overflow area and leave this as much as possible for visitors. So that will be your sacrifice uh, for the Lord, and God will bless you for that. Let's worship the Lord together.
Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. Finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise. All that I need is to be with you, and in the quiet, hear your voice. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay amen 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 wonderful worship set thank you so much praise team boys and girls come on up to the front and while they're coming up to the front moms and dads and everybody else open your bibles up to the old testament book of leviticus book of sacrifices, offerings, feast days, fast days, all kinds of different things in the book of Leviticus. But first of all, boys and girls, are you all up here? Anybody else want to come up? Come on if you'd like to. Boys and girls, I want to tell you a secret. I want to tell you a secret. Who can keep a secret? Almost all of you. Okay. All right. When I was a little boy, sometimes I did things that I wasn't supposed to do. I know, I know, that's hard to believe that your preacher would, would do something that he wasn't supposed to do. I find it hard to believe myself, uh, but I did. And, and, and you know what would happen when I did something wrong with, with, uh, with my friends or whatever, and I was with a bunch of guys, I would always get caught. What's with that? The other guys didn't get caught. I would be the one that would get caught. And I, sometimes I'd get, I'd get away, I think I've got it, and then someone would tell my mom about it, and, and she'd say, Jimmy, did you do such and so? And I'm like, oh, how did you know? She said, a little birdie told me. I used to take my BB gun out after that, look for all the little birdies I could. I know that's not very cool, but that's what I used to do. Seems like she had this direct line. People would let her know everything that I did. And I would get caught, and I used to really aggravate me. And I was like, why can't I get away with stuff that other kids get away with? And then one day I was reading in the book of Hebrews and it said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. God disciplines the children that he loves. So if he doesn't discipline us, if, if, if we're not his child, but if we are his child and we do something wrong, we're going to get caught and we're going to be disciplined by God because he loves us and he wants us to do what's right. One time when my firstborn little girl named Shannon, when she was uh, probably three years old or so, three or four years old, she, how old are you? Three, about the same age, yeah. And, and we were outside and in the front yard 
And she started to walk into the street. Is that a good thing to do? Not at all. And I said, Shannon, come on, don't walk in the street. And so she came back up, and I was doing something, and I looked around, and she started to walk out in the street again. I said, Shannon, come back. Don't. You're going to get hurt. And so what she did was she stood in the yard, and she went like this. <laughs> Just like her mama. I tell you this. <clears throat> and I had to discipline her because I love her. Because you know why? Because if she went in the street, what could happen to her? Yep. She could get run over. She'd get hit by a car. And at three years old, she didn't understand what that was all about. But she understood when dad had to discipline his daughter. So when you get caught doing things that you shouldn't be doing, be thankful to God. He's letting you know you can't get away with doing bad things because God sees everything. God hears everything. God knows every single thing. So I want you to remember that when you get caught. Don't be mad. Be glad. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. I thank you for uh, these young ladies and, and young men. And Father, I pray your blessings upon them in their Sunday school class. Teach them lessons that will go with them the rest of their lives. Lord, I remember being taught things when I was the age of some of these kids that, that determined the eternal destiny of my soul. And I'm so thankful for that. Bless them, I pray, and be with them and be with the teachers in their classes. We ask in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. amen. All right, go ahead and go to, oh, we've got something for you. These Try Praying books have little activities for you and things you can color and things you can draw and little dot-to-dot -dot deals, and it'll help you to pray for a whole week. And I think there's one right here. There we go. All right. You need another one, baby? I mean, Pat. <laughs> Did I really say that in church? <laughs> Sorry about that. <clears throat> All right, <laughs> and now I'm preaching on sanctification. Okay, all right. Let's, okay, all right. In Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, I've got the NLT here. It says the Lord, and it's all capital letters, L-O-R-D, so it's Jehovah, the, the covenant name of God. The Lord, covenant name of God, said to Moses, his man he chose to lead the people out of Israel, out of Egypt, rather, give the prophet, uh, give the people of Israel these instructions, which apply both to native Israelites and the foreigners living in Israel. So some of them who who vacated with Israel were not Israelites, but they were friends of Israel, and they went with them and became part uh, of the nation later on. So he said, this is for native Israelites and foreigners living in Israel. If any of you, listen to this, offer your children as a sacrifice to Molech, they must be put to death. Molech was the god of the Ammonites and the Phoenicians. Molech was a human sacrifice god with small g. Uh, Molech would require people to give their children. That was not a new thing to Israel. Uh, Egypt had done the same thing often uh, in the Nile River, offering and sacrificing their babies to their gods in, in the form of crocodiles. And uh, so, so this idea of child sacrifice is not new. Now, we don't have that today, do we? Oh, wait a minute. We have abortion, don't we? You say, well, it's not the same thing as, you know, it, it, is in a form, it is a form of idolatry to determine we're going to put to death that which is created in the image of Almighty God. Every child, every human being is, a, is, is in the image of Almighty God. And we reflect him and his glory. And, and so that's what distinguishes us from all of the rest of creation. We are not a higher animal. We are made in the image of God. No other animal, no animal, no per other person um, or being, rather, is made in the image of God. That's unique to human beings. And so they must be put to death. So it was a capital punishment in, uh, in Israel's day. The people of the community must stone them to death. I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community, God says, because they've defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children to Molech. And if the people of the community ignore those who offer their children to Molech and refuse to execute them, I myself will turn against them and their families and will cut them off from the community. And this will happen to all who commit spiritual 
prostitution by worshiping Molech. You say, is that word prostitution in the King James Bible? Not right there. It's not, but it talks about infidelity, spiritual infidelity, and there's nothing wrong with the translation that likens spiritual infidelity uh, to uh, prostitution, to immorality, to adultery. And so uh, they will happen, uh, this will happen to all those who commit spiritual prostitution by worshiping Molech. I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. So set yourselves apart to be holy. That's what we're talking about today. Holiness. Set yourselves apart to be holy for I am the Lord your God and you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord Jehovah who sanctifies you. And and this uh, this combination of Lord, capital L-O-R-D, who sanctifies is Jehovah Mkedesh. Jehovah M apostrophe K-A-D-D-E-S-H is how we would uh, spell it in English. And it means the Lord is my sanctification. The Lord is he who sanctifies. The Lord does sanctify. To sanctify means to set apart. So this building is a sanctified building in the sense it's set apart for the worship and the glory of Almighty God. Uh, this, the idea of to sanctify, to be set apart, occurs 172 times, I'm told, in the Word of God. <clears throat> the authorized version translates the word as sanctify 108 times, hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W, uh, 25 times, dedicate 10 times, holy, seven times, prepare seven times, consecrate five times, appointed once, bid once, purified once, and translated miscellaneously seven different times. I know you won't remember all that. I just wanted to, to, to show you how, uh, how much the Bible does actually talk about uh, sanctification. So offering your children, your babies or your children to the God Molech uh, in the way of a human sacrifice was not the only um, horrendous uh, act that people could commit. Um, there were other activities or actions that required capital punishment. I want to tell you something. Uh, I believe absolutely in capital punishment for capital offenses. Again, uh, we're talking about you take the life of another human being who's in the image of God, and now, not in a war, warfare situation. That's a whole different ballgame. Uh, but I'm talking about Ill, illicit taking of life. I'm not talking about capital punishment of the state either. That's okay, according to the Word of God. I am talking about the illegal taking of another's life. But just to give you an idea how uh, important these things are that they would require the life of the offender, blasphemy was so-called. And I'm not going to give all the scripture verses. I've got too much material here today. But blasphemy called for death. Violation of the Sabbath called for death. Idolatry called for death. Prophesying in the name of another God called for death. Divination called for death. Promiscuity called for death. Sexual assault of a, of a betrothed virgin called for uh, death. Filial insubordination. And, and that's a fancy way of saying when you don't obey your parents and you curse your parents, uh, that would change a lot of behavior of a lot of kids. Nowadays, I do believe, oh, you said what? You're going to die. You know, don't do that. <laughs> Violation of a ban. What does that mean? Well, Achan took that which he was forbidden to take. He was told not to take anything from uh, Jericho, that everything belonged, all the spoils of war belonged to God. But he went ahead and took that, and he died by stoning, and his family died with him too. And that's, it's hard, in other words, concepts, hard for me to understand. But the thinking is that his wife was aware of what he was doing because he took it home and buried it in the tent. And again, I think back to the kids. But anyhow, owning a goring ox would call for death by stoning as well. So what is indicated here is that the only way a society can reclaim holiness is by exercising judgment on sin. And is it any wonder that we're in the mess we're in the United States of America because in our modern, educated, enlightened American society, we are moving in the exact opposite direction of exercising judgment on sin. Instead of judgment being appropriate and swift, crimes are unprosecuted, criminals are often set free and slapped on the wrist, maybe, and released, and, and repeat crimes uh, upon release. 
Ecclesiastes, the wisest man who ever lived according to the word of God, said, because sentence against evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. That's what the word of God says. That's not what the laws of, of America have on their books anymore, but that's what the law, the law of God says. There can be no sanctification when sin is free to roam in our hearts or when sin is free to roam in our streets, to burn and to loot and to assault. So now the name Jehovah Mekedesh uh, follows the purpose and the progression of the names of God as we have been studying them. So the first one we talked about, the fourth Word in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, uh, Elohim, the omnipotent God of creation. So that's where it all began. Uh, creation began with the omnipotent God creating all that was. Jehovah then was revealed as a relational name of God to his people. Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Yaira, remember that? That was God provides, and God provided the ram and the thickets uh, instead of Isaac giving his life uh, in that, uh, that terrible trial for Abram. Uh, the ram was provided, and God provides the substitute for our sins. Adonai was the next one. He's the owner, the master, the Lord of all. In Exodus, we had Jehovah Rapha. God healed the waters at Marah. And then we have Jehovah Nisi. God is our banner. And as he raised that banner up, which was the rod of God, Israel prevailed in battle. And when his arms got weary and he let it down, the Amalekites prevailed. Uh, so today in Leviticus, we have Jehovah Mkedesh. God sanctifies or separates us from the chaos of this world. And this is appropriate because the book of Leviticus is a book of sacrifices and the priesthood and sanctification is the theme. And, and this name, Jehovah Mkedesh, is found six more times in chapters 21 and 22 of the book of Leviticus. So there was creation, there was redemption, there was provision, there was lordship, there was healing, there's the fighting of battles, and now sanctification. There are Christian denominations that are designated formally or informally as holiness people. I'm, I'm thinking Billy Falling is watching right now on Facebook or, uh, or on YouTube, one or the other. Hey, Billy. And uh, so I got something. I'm going to pick on him a little bit. Baptists are known as being kind of staid that first song you sang about, Baptist, you know, for a Baptist to lift his hand, it's, I know some of you, it's no problem, you lift your hands in worship, I go like, mm, how high is high enough? So, so a lot of Baptists are kind of staid, not very emotional, suspicious of groups who talk about the Holy Spirit, or heaven forbid, the Holy Ghost. We want to talk about him. So many friends, I mean, my friends have come from Assembly of God or Pentecostal background. They can be quite animated. Billy, I was reading your biography again, and I, I just love that thing. And, and he talks about his, his salvation experience uh, on a, a reservation in a, in a, out in Oklahoma. He got born again, got a grandma that knew the Lord and had a tremendous influence on him. But I, I know sometimes they get a little excited. You ever been to some of those meetings where they get a little excited and they jump up and down and run around and all kind of stuff? And someone asked me one time, said, Preacher, you think, uh, you think those Assembly of God people are going to get to heaven? I said, I think they will if they don't get too excited and run right past it. I, think, I absolutely <laughs> think they will. That's for you, Billy. And you know why, because of what you told me Thursday. So uh, uh, we, uh, the fact of the matter is Baptists could use a little bit more emotion. And Baptists could use a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit and a whole lot more of sanctification. I'm, I'm moved that we become Bapticostal here at First Baptist Church. Uh, and, and one thing all of us should be is holy and sanctified. So what's the meaning of sanctified? That sound, that's the word that we get saint from. In fact, I was talking to Billy, and, and, and we, we talked about we're, we're saints. We are. We're saints. doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're sanctified. It's a short way of saying sanctified or sanctification. So the Hebrew word for sanctify means consecrate, dedicate, hallow, holy, or holy one. 700 times found in the Old Testament alone. Now, here's an interesting thing about Jehovah Mekedesh. If you're looking for that name in the Bible, you're probably not going to find it if my sources are accurate. Because uh, the, the name Jehovah Mekedesh was not translated or transliterated as the other names were. 
So you find it in, in, in this chapter we just read a few minutes ago. You find it encased in Jehovah, the name Jehovah you're familiar with, and then the idea of the verb of who sanctifies. So it just wasn't translated uh, to, to be spelled out as Jehovah Makedesh right there, but it is the idea. Uh, thus, it, it escapes our attention because it's not listed in specifically that way. But it's a very important name that Jehovah does sanctify. Now, the primary meaning is to be set apart or separate. So to be holy means to be set apart unto the Lord and at the same time away from the world's uh, chaotic system, the world's system, anti-God system. Now, God set the Sabbath aside as holy. You, you all, you've read that in Genesis and in Exodus. God set apart feast and fast days. He set apart the year of Jubilee. Lots about the year of Jubilee. We don't have time to go into right now. The campsite of Israel as they were traveling the wilderness was, was sanctified. Zion later on, the city of David, was sanctified. Jerusalem was set apart. The altar was set apart. Uh, the tabernacle and then later the temple were sanctified, set apart for the use of Almighty God. The Holy Land itself is sanctified. It is set apart for God. And, and that's why any attempts to get Israel out of the land uh, is, is going to be met with a lot of resistance from God. Uh, and from the people, and from the people who are friends of Israel, as we should be. Now, the word used for tabernacle and temple is mikdash, M-I-K-D-A-S-H, meaning sanctuary, so it's very similar to this name of God. Jeremiah was set apart to the Lord, Jeremiah 1.5. All the firstborn were set apart to God. Did you know that? All the firstborn male belonged to God. All the firstborn of the animals belonged to God. Everything first belonged to God, set apart, sanctified. On the priest, he would have a diadem, a, a crown, and it was marked holiness, Exodus 28, 36. Thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. In fact, all of Israel was set apart unto God. So this idea of sanctification we, we need to understand is, is a very dynamic, very active, very necessary, very important part of Israel in the Old Testament and the Christian, Christian's life in the New Testament. So why don't we talk about it more? Why don't we understand? I don't know if I've ever heard, as I was preparing this, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on sanctification. I, I couldn't remember I may have heard lots of them and just can't remember. That happens uh, at, at a certain point in life. Uh, but God brings holiness wherever he is found. So what is God's role in sanctification? Jehovah is distinct from everything, everyone else in all of the universes. He alone is holy. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, there is none holy as the Lord. Well, that's not hard to believe, is it? If you believe in the God of the Bible, you say, yeah, nobody like him. He's, he's one of a kind. There's none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Uh, Nathan Stone said this, holiness, it is said, is the most fundamental, solemn, and impressive of all the attributes of God. I, I don't know how you would ascertain that, but it, it was a pretty profound statement. And then he said also, power without holiness would become cruel. And omniscience without holiness would become craft. And justice without holiness would degenerate into revenge. And goodness without holiness would become intemperate fondness. Some thoughts, some things to think about. It is God's holiness that shows his fullness and his perfection because in him is no sin at all. Nothing, nothing. Isaiah 6, 3, and one of the seraphs cried unto the other, saying, as they sang a little while ago, holy, 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 the threefold uh, holiness uh, pronouncement of, is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah refers to God as the Holy One of Israel at least 30 times in his prof prophetic book. Hosea calls God the Holy One in the midst of these, the Holy One who's right in the middle, where two or three are gathered together in his name. There he will be in the midst. That's for the New Testament, Christian. The Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, is called what? The Holy Spirit, the sanctified Spirit, designated, separating the Holy Spirit of God from all other spirits in the earth and in the heavens. 
Psalm 51, 11, cast me not away from thy presence, David prayed, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament days, Holy Spirit would come upon people and would depart, come upon them and depart, come upon them. It doesn't mean they weren't saved. When a, it just There was a whole different economy, a whole different way of the Holy Spirit working with people in the Old Testament. When Christ paid the price and became our atonement and our propitiation, uh, our covering for sin, sins were removed from us, the Holy Spirit then indwelt us. The Holy Spirit could not indwell on a permanent basis, the Old Testament saints, because the price for sin had not been paid yet. But Christ paid the price for us. So, so we don't have to pray, cast not thy Holy Spirit, or take not thy Holy Spirit from us. In Isaiah 63, 10, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. What a contrast our God is to the gods of this world that would demand you bring, bring your little child and, and put them in the fire as an act of worship to that vengeful God. What a difference our God is. For the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. Jeremiah 16, 20 says, Shall a man make gods unto himself and their gods? There are several references in the Bible about a craftsman taking silver or gold and fashioning a god or taking wood and carving out of it and making a god and bowing down and worshiping. These two different times Israel did that, did they not? One time when they came out of Egypt and they hadn't been out very long and, and Aaron took, gathered up the gold, made a golden calf and they began to worship that. Later on, I think it was Jeroboam, not positive, but I think it was Jeroboam later on, made two golden calves and had people worship those golden calves. What in the world? You worship something that's the product of your own making? Does that make sense to anyone in this room? God has got to be above it all. God has got to be uh, beyond it all. God, God has got to be greater than I am. If I can create a God, it's not much of a God. And the Bible says not God at all. God is the one. That's why he said we're to have no other gods before him. He is the only holy one. The people's part in sanctification. God wishes his holiness and his beauty to be upon every single one of us. I'm going to tell you something. Since studying, I've been studying this the last couple of weeks. I tried to stay a week, a week and a half, two weeks ahead. As I've been studying this, I have been thinking more frequently, God, help me to be sanctified. Help me to be separate from sinful thoughts, desires, actions, and help me be separated unto God. It's his desire. He wants us to be. Psalm 90, 17, and let the beauty of our Lord be upon us. We're to be partakers of his divine nature. 2 Peter 1, 4, that you might be partakers of the divine nature. It requires putting on the new person, the new man, the new woman. Uh, Ephesians 4, 24, put on the new man, which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. And then a holy God demands holiness from his people. He, he tells us, in no uncertain terms, you will be holy, for I am, I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, lest you get in your mind that being holy is being separate is, is all negative. I got to stay away from, uh, you know, I don't smoke, drink, or cuss, or, you know, hang around with people who do, or whatever, that, whatever those things you might have. Uh, it, it's not just the negative. It's not just the staying away from. It's drawing unto and being set apart unto God. That's a very positive thing. So we're to forsake sin, but serve God and our fellow man. We're to trade the world's philosophies for God's principles, infallible principles and commandments. We're to put off the old Reverend Bays and put on the new. It is God who sanctifies us. Leviticus 28, 20, verse 8, the Lord, it is, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. But the previous verse in that passage says, sanctify yourselves, therefore. So God's doing his part in sanctifying us, but we have a part. Our men's breakfast yesterday was incredible. Um, had some new faces there, new people there, but also the food was out of, out of sight. But in addition to that, the spiritual food was amazing. As we talked about some of these things, sanctifying yourself, setting apart, uh, and having works uh, that not do, don't earn salvation, but because we're saved, we're supposed to have works because of salvation. 
There should be those things that follow. This is the putting off of the old, putting on with the new. God in his wisdom has given us free will. He's given us that. Why do we have all these temptations? He's given, we make a choice. If we didn't have a choice, then without free will, holiness would lose its moral character. If you had no choice but to do exactly what was right, and I had no choice but to do exactly what was wrong because it was in some way foreordained that way, uh, there would be no more moral standard there. Holiness, by the way, is a process, not a single act. We ought to continually. We're not going to have complete sanctification in this life. Oh, who was telling me yesterday? Somebody... Somebody's telling me yesterday. You were, John? Okay, talking about a friend of his who said he hadn't sinned. And how many years was it? Well, that's a, usually when I hear that, it's, it's, I haven't sinned in seven years. Because that number of perfection somehow makes it click, makes it work. So, but so, sometimes sin for uh, 30 or 40 years, I, I say, you just did it, buddy. You just lied. <laughs> Big one. And so he kind of pinned him down on that, his friend, and, and he said, he gave him an example, and, and a guy said, oh, well, that was a mistake, not a sin. <laughs> so I am a mistaker. <laughs> Jim the mistaker. Yeah. So holiness is a process, not a single act. It doesn't just have, well, there is the sanctification, but there is no complete sanctification. We're, we're on a journey. We're in a process. God is molding us and making us. He is, he is working on us. He is chipping it away at all the debris, all the stuff he doesn't want there. And it's like a diamond in the rough. When you take the diamond out of the mine, it's not this beautiful, multifaceted, uh, crystal and uh, jewel that that reflects the sun and dazzles everybody. It's not that at all. It's encrusted with all kinds of ore and all kinds of junk, and it's not in a particular shape that's, that's fascinating or, or beautiful at all. It has to be worked on by the master diamond cutter, and so God is the master diamond cutter who's working on you and working on me in a progressive way. I hope we're, we're more sanctified today than we were a year ago. I hope next year, if we're still here, that we'll be more sanctified than we are today. Now, what Jehovah was, Jehovah Mkedesh, in the Old Testament, Jesus is today. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was tempted, and yet in him was no sin. In him dwelt the power of the Godhead. He is the exact replication of his father. He manifests the father's glory and beauty and holiness. He is our high priest. And though he was made sin for us, he never one time sinned himself. And what Israel was meant to be as a nation, we are meant to be as a church and as believers. 1 Peter 1, 15, but as he which is called you as holy, so be ye holy in all matter of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. First Peter 2 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We have been we have been elected to holiness. Once our faith in Christ has been exercised, according as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. We've been elected to be commanded to be holy. And without blame before him in love. And John 17, 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God sanctifies us. The word of God cleanses us. That's why I want you to pray the next seven days. That's why I want you to, at the end of seven days, not to say, that's over with. Good, got that done. I want you to keep on praying. Keep on praying. Because it's, prayer is kind of like a filter that filters out the dross the impurities, the things that are bad for us. The Word of God convicts us and shows us our need of Him. So are you saved today? Are you trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior? I hope that you are, and if you're not, you could be saved before you leave here. Are you sanctified, Christian? Are you sanctified? Hebrews 12, 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
We're to be presented holy without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, according to Ephesians chapter 5. And in the last verse here, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So it's not just an accident. I believe God planned that before we would have communion, this message would be the message. This idea of sanctification would be that which would be emphasized. So I want us to do this. I want us to bow our heads. And first and foremost, if you're not sure you're Christian, you're not sure you're saved, you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven, I want you to be sure of that more than anything else. I want you, if you never came back to First Baptist Church, never ever darken the door again, I would want you to know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. How do you know that? By praying, asking him, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. You can pray that right where you are. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die one day and stand before you. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And as you said, if I call upon your name and believe in your heart and my heart, God, that you've raised him from the dead, that I can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that your desire today? Call upon the name of the Lord. How many of you say, preacher, I want Christ to be my Savior today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Raise your hand up real high. I want to be my Savior today. God bless you. God bless you. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. He will. Let me ask you something else, Christian, because I assume most of you here are Christians. Let me ask you something. Are you sanctified? Have you been set apart by God, apart from sin, and unto the Lord? Is it a problem to pray for sanctification? I don't think so. I think it's perfectly fine. And I would invite you right now, Christian, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, for communion, that you would say something like this to the Lord your God. I'm not as pure as I would like to be. I'm not even close. I'm certainly nothing compared to Christ. But Lord, I want to be closer to you. I want to be more sanctified. I want you to remind me when I begin to stray, when I forget, when I fall and when I fail. Lord, please, Sanctify me by thy Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that we prepare for the communion service right now. And if you did not receive the communion elements when you came in, if you'll raise your hand, we'll, we'll get those to you. Um, Just raise your hand. Keep them up for just a moment. I failed also to mention these cards in the seat back in front of you are for first-time visitors or if you have a special prayer request or question that you want to ask or whatever it is, these are multi-use connection cards. Please fill them out and you can either give them to us after the service or you can take them back to the left side of the double doors. There's a, a box. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings in. And you can go ahead and put that in that box and we'll get that. If it's a prayer request, we will pray for it. If it's a question, we'll try to answer it. Uh, and if it's just you were visiting today, thank you so much for coming. And we hope that you'll come back and be with us again. My apologies if you got one like I got. <laughs> I can't open it. You have another one? Please? It, it opened the wrong side. Yeah, I did it again. Bobby, thank you. You want that one? Sure. <laughs> What a guy.
What a guy. I know since COVID we've been doing this um, this way instead of having the, the cups and so on. Um, and it is a symbol, most of all, it is a symbol of the shed blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the broken body of our Lord and Savior. And as Christ was preparing to leave this earth, as he was preparing for his crucifixion, he sat with his disciples one last time at a Passover meal, and he chose from the Passover meal, first of all, the unleavened bread. The unleavened bread being a type and a symbol of the sinless body of Christ. As the bread was without leaven that permeated the whole loaf, uh, leaving it out, so uh, our Christ, our Savior, our Messiah, was without sin. Sin did not permeate his whole being, did not enter him at all. And so uh, Jesus, uh, and Paul says, Jesus said uh, how that he received of the Lord, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. So I'd like for us to give thanks for that. David, would you mind leading us in prayer and asking God to bless the bread? said, take eat, this is my body broken for you. Then he took the fruit of the vine, and that fruit of the vine represented the shed blood of our Savior. And so the Bible says he took the cup and he gave thanks. Fitz, would you mind giving thanks for the cup? drink you all of it. The Bible says they joined hands, or they sang a song rather, and they went into the Mount of Olives, and I'm going to ask that we stand together and join hands. We're going to sing this verse, and then uh, something that we normally do not do, we have a matter of a family business to take care of after this dismissal song, and I'm going to ask that um, especially non-members, if you would just move to the back, and I would appreciate that very, very much. But let's go ahead and sing, Thank You, Lord, for Saving My Soul. bless you in a great way the rest of his day. God bless you. Members who can stick around for a couple minutes, come on up to the front, please. Don't forget to get the crosses. Pick up the crosses. Take up your cross.